0: Southern Gothic is a podcast that explores the history behind some of the American South's darkest days, greatest mysteries, and most chilling ghost stories. The popular tourist destination known as the Grand Strand is a stunning 60-mile uninterrupted strip of pristine coastline in South Carolina stretching from Myrtle Beach down to Wynyaw Bay, just north of the Atlantic Sea Islands. Due to its sandy beaches, beautiful resorts, and endless supply of family activities, about 19 million people visit the area each year which is comprised of 14 communities, including Myrtle Beach, Holly's Island, Myrtle's Inlet, and Georgetown. Columnist Claude Dunnigan was the first to call it the Grand Strand back in 1949 after several major developments spurred growth there, the most notable of which was the opening of the intercoastal waterway to recreational boats but long before the tourists arrived and resorts began to spring up in the early 20th century, the Grand Strand was occupied by the Waccamaw and Winyaw people who lived in villages, thriving on the region's extensive natural resources through fishing, hunting, and agriculture. European settlers came in the 17th century, and eventually plantations and fishing communities were developed to take advantage of those same resources for commerce. Then, in 1730, Georgetown, which was located on the Winyaw Bay at the southern end of the Strand, became an official port, and over the following years, the city grew as a commercial center for the region that not only became the, quote, second largest rice cultivation culture the world has known, but also a major exporter of timber and indigo. Well, as you can expect, there were a lot of colorful characters who came to Georgetown over all of those years. Sailors and sea captains from all around the world, pirates who were up to no good, and a tragic amount of enslaved men and women who were forced to work the plantations cultivating these cash crops. As a result, Georgetown is now home to more than its fair share of legends and folklore. all the old maritime tales and superstitions, one of Georgetown's most infamous comes from the wild and picturesque North Island, just across the Wynyaw Bay. There, an old lighthouse has stood guiding ships into the port for over two centuries, not only lighting the way for fishermen and sailors, but also purportedly serving as the one-time home of a young girl Whose apparition is seen as a warning to those who are lucky enough to see her. My name is Brandon Schecksnyder, and you are listening to Southern Gothic. The North Island Lighthouse is the oldest in the state of South Carolina. Standing 87 feet tall, the structure has been guiding mariners into Winyaw Bay for over two centuries. But for as long as anyone can remember, sailors and fishermen alike have claimed that the lighthouse is more than just what it seems. It is also the source of a well-known legend. Maritime lore claims that the apparition of a young girl will sometimes appear to forewarn those at sea of impending storms. Her name is Annie, and according to the tale, she's the daughter of a widowed lightkeeper who once lived here on North Island between Winyaw Bay and the Atlantic Ocean. Together, the lighthouse keeper and his daughter lived a simple, isolated life tending to the important work of lighting and maintaining the lighthouse which helped guide these ships safely into the bay day in and day out but whenever they needed supplies or maybe just wanted to see some folks faces other than their own the pair had to take a rowboat across the water to georgetown on the weekend a trip of about 10 to 15 miles or so well These excursions happened frequently over the years, and the young girl cherished the time she spent with her father's full attention. But they were always on a strict timeline due to the rising tide and the duty of the lightkeeper to be back on the island by dark so that he could climb the winding lighthouse stairs and light the lantern. For a while, this never really seemed to be a problem. But then one day, As they strolled through Georgetown enjoying their time in the city, something happened. Carolina author Terrence Zepke writes, Today he was a little concerned about the dark clouds and
1: sky overhead. They figured they could make it home if they hurried. He loaded his little girl and provisions into the dinghy and started out. The keeper rode as fast as he could as he noticed the skies becoming more menacing looking. Suddenly the clouds broke and the rain came.
0: They were already too far to turn back when the rain started. So the nervous father rode as fast as he could to get home. But the further they got out into the bay, the stronger the wind blew and the more rain fell from the sky. Soon enough, waves began to rise and crash into the sides of that little boat over and over again, and each time it was more and more violent than the last until eventually water began to fill the boat. Annie desperately tried to bail the water out as her father continued to row, but there was just no way that the little girl had any chance against the barrage of those waves and rain. And soon enough, the lighthouse keeper had to make a critical decision if they were to survive. So as the boat began sinking into the bay, he took a rope, tied his daughter to his back, and began swimming toward the island. Well, somehow, some way, he made it. But as you can imagine after such a fierce battle with nature, when he finally crawled up onto the shore, he just collapsed from extreme exhaustion, completely unaware of his surroundings. Because when he woke up the next morning, that poor, proud father discovered that his daughter was dead. That beautiful little girl who had made him so proud had drowned while he was attempting to save her. Obviously, the grief that followed this horrible event was just too much to bear. And some say that for years, the old lighthouse keeper wandered the streets of Georgetown disoriented, calling out the name of his dead child. Others say that he never even returned to the mainland, refusing to leave the lighthouse ever again. So local fishermen frequently checked on the heartbroken keeper, generously bringing him supplies until the day that he too passed. But they say it wasn't too long after his death that folks started to experience something strange around the bay.
1: After his death, boaters began seeing a man and a little girl rowing around the island. Whenever
0: their boat got close, the dinghy and its occupants disappeared. People who knew the story of Keeper's daughter heading to shore as soon as they saw the boat containing the man and little girl, for they knew the apparition meant that a severe storm was coming. Now y'all, no one really knows how long ago this happened, as the legend doesn't exactly give us much information to work with here, like a date or even the Keeper's name. But it is true that the Georgetown Lighthouse was a family lighthouse, so some keepers did in fact live on the island full-time with their family. However, over the 19th century alone, there were about 17 of them to serve in the role, not to mention they had assistants, so honestly, I just can't quite pin down if a girl named Annie was ever one of their daughters, much less any factual foundation for this legend. But look, that being said, local sailors and fishermen don't really care much about whether or not the story is true. Because for generations, they've been told that if the apparition of Annie appears, you get the hell back to port because a storm is on its way. Georgetown County resident and author, Elizabeth Robertson Huntsinger included this tale in her 1995 book, Ghosts of Georgetown, where she tells the story of a young man who had very recently started working on a shrimp boat and found himself face-to-face with the apparition of the girl on an otherwise sunny day at sea. But since the boy was so new to the profession, he was nervous to tell the captain of the boat what he had seen, as it seemed a little crazy. Fortunately, the captain pressed the visibly distraught youngster, The boy blurted out his story, then looked down. Perhaps he thought he should have kept quiet. Even to his own ears, his experience sounded daft. The captain will think I've taken a leave of my senses, he thought. Consumed by regret and confusion, he looked up to find the captain staring sternly at him. Thank you, son, he said quietly. We'll be heading in now. The boy asked for no explanation nor was he given one. Of course, later that afternoon, as the shrimp boat entered the Winyah Bay en route to Georgetown, the sky began to darken and ominous clouds gathered overhead. A terrible storm was brewing, and by the time it passed later that day, a number of innocent lives who didn't heed the warning were lost. Fortunately, That shrimp boat with the young sailor was sitting safely in the harbor. The apparition of Annie had spared those men. Y'all, I want to take a quick minute to tell you about one of my favorite nonprofit organizations here in Middle Tennessee. It's called Poster Nashville. Now, this organization supports people during times of housing or medical crises by providing compassionate, temporary care for their pets. That's right. Poster helps secure loving homes for beloved little furballs when their human companions are going through things that might otherwise cause them to have to give them up. But since Poster began back in 2020, they've been able to reunite nearly 250 pets with their loving pet parents after they were able to secure housing keeping families together through tough times. Of course, y'all, I have to say from personal experience, it's been an awesome program to be around. My kids and I have been fortunate enough to hang out with some of the pups. And trust me, what Poster is doing through a devoted network of volunteers is absolutely heartwarming. So if you'd like to help, Poster is in the middle of their annual fundraiser right now, trying to hit a goal of $20,000. And it would mean the world to me if you'd consider helping us get there. All you got to do is visit com
1: slash bark. That's right, southerngothicmedia.com slash bark. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more—
0: Today, the lighthouse where young Annie and her father once purportedly lived, still sits on North Island. But the legend that she warns sailors of impending storms is not the only one surrounding it. According to the July 26, 1987 edition of Myrtle Beach's Sun News, the two-century-old lighthouse is very likely haunted in its own right. There's also, according to legend, a ghost said to be that of a lighthouse keeper who died on the site. The ghost's footsteps to be heard on some nights, the story goes. Boat Swing's make first class Ken Marrow, chief of the Georgetown AIDS to Navigation Unit, claims some of the guys who used to be out here say some funny things used to happen. Doors slammed shut, lights came on, all without explanation. Now, who this spirit causing such a commotion might have been in life is unknown. However, it certainly isn't a stretch to believe that the historic building is still inhabited by one of its previous tenants. After all, the job of a lighthouse keeper was quite tedious, and life on the coast was dangerous. So it's no surprise that over the years, a number of tragedies occurred there. The question is, which one is it? that could be fueling the haunting. Construction of the original North Island Lighthouse began in 1798 on land donated by the Revolutionary War veteran and Georgetown native, Paul Trepierre. The 72-foot high wooden tower had an eight-sided brick base and featured a six-foot-wide iron lantern enclosed in clear, heavy glass. The light was accessible by five flights of stairs, and in 1801, operation of the facility began, and the light was lit. In addition to the lighthouse itself, there was also a two-story keeper's house, as well as a tank for storing the whale oil used to fuel the lantern. All in all, this cost a total of $7,000, which was appropriated by the federal government who, upon recognizing the vital role of maritime trade, enacted the first public infrastructure program in the nation's history, a program to line the shore with lighthouses as a means to help safely guide maritime vessels through its dangerous coastline, thus stimulating the early American economy. Unfortunately, in 1806, a hurricane struck the South Carolina coast and the wooden lighthouse was destroyed by the wind, so a new one was to be built to replace it with several alterations, the most important of which was that it would be made of brick. Charleston contractors Thomas Walker and James Evans took on the project, and through the use of slave labor, the building that still stands today was completed in 1812. Benjamin T. Howland was the first keeper of the new lighthouse. And as I said, he had a pretty demanding job. Not only was there constant maintenance to be done, but he also had to haul whale oil up that tall, spiral staircase to light the lamps each and every night. Howland did this job for a little over five years and was followed by a succession of lightkeepers and assistants, most of whom stayed for a few years at a time. Then, only 10 years after the new brick lighthouse was built, its durability was tested during the hurricane of 1822, a test that had fortunately passed without any real issue. In fact, the lighthouse was the only structure on North Island to survive the storm. By 1854, the Georgetown light received its first upgrade. A fourth order Fresnel lens was installed to replace the 11 lamps with 14 inch reflectors that were put in during construction back at the beginning of the century. Unfortunately, more work would need to be done soon enough as the lighthouse was heavily damaged during the Civil War. Initially, the Confederates used it as a lookout station but in May of 1862, the United States military captured it and took over. Post-war repairs not only included the installation of a new Fresnel lens, but the height of the lighthouse was also increased to 87 feet. In addition, a new two-story house was built for the lighthouse keeper, as well as a cistern and a boathouse. Surprisingly, up to this point, there weren't any major tragedies to have been recorded in regard to the lighthouse. No major accidents or loss of life. Nothing that would seem to fuel the modern belief that the place was haunted. That is, until the 1930s, when two separate keepers died while on duty. The December 29, 1933 edition of the Georgetown Times reported North Island lightkeeper found dead. According to word received in Georgetown about noon Thursday, J. W. Gracillo, head lightkeeper at North Island, was found dead yesterday morning. Sheriff H. B. Browerton, coroner A. F. McDonald, and others went immediately to North Island to investigate the case. Up to the time of going to press, they had not returned. Details were lacking in the report and no other information could be secured. Mr. Grisilla was a native of Austria. He came to this country as a young man. He had been in the government service for a number of years, stationed at North Island for about the last 12 years. While well, Gracilla's death was certainly sad, the coroner found that there was no foul play or accidents involved. You see, he was about 65 years old at the time, and so his death was deemed to be the result of natural causes. So could he be the spirit who continues to haunt the lighthouse today, a veteran keeper who refuses to leave his post even in the afterlife? Unfortunately, another death occurred only five years later, on November 5th, 1938, Grisillo's replacement, Gabriel Jackson, and his assistant, George C. Ellis, were traveling across Wynyaw Bay when out of the blue, something exploded on their boat. The men jumped into the water to save themselves, but Ellis drowned and his body was never recovered. As for Jackson, a towboat picked him up about two miles from the incident, and he had burns covering about 90% of his body. But after about a month in the hospital, Jackson was able to return to service on the North Island. To this day, Ellis and Grisillo seem to be the only recorded deaths on North Island. So it makes me wonder how the legend of Annie ever came to be. But y'all might have noticed as well. This old maritime legend is awful similar to others we've seen on the Atlantic coast. From the well-known legend of the Gray Man of Pauley's Island or the lady in blue from the lighthouse on Hilton Head, legends that have apparitions who serve the same purpose as Annie, warn folks to get the hell out before it's too late. As for the fate of the North Island Lighthouse, well, it remained a family lighthouse until 1968 when a fire destroyed the two residential homes there. After that, the Coast Guard took over and the duties fell on a rotating crew of men. Then, in 1986, a new electrical lantern was automated and the lighthouse was de-staffed after almost 200 years of service. The modern 110 volt bulb that remained boasted 110,000 candle power and could be seen for 17 miles a far cry from those old whale lamps of the 19th century, a pretty impressive feat for the oldest lighthouse in the Southeast. But while the old Georgetown light may no longer be needed to guide sailors and fishermen into Wynyaw Bay, It continues to stand overlooking the water, a reminder of not only the early days of maritime commerce and the growth of the early American economy, but also that colorful maritime culture filled with age-old superstition and lore. My name is Brandon Schechneider and you are listening to Southern Gothic. Southern Gothic is an independent podcast produced by siblings Brianne and Brandon Schecksneider. If you're a fan of the show and would like more content, be sure to join us over on Patreon or become a premium subscriber on the Apple Podcast app. There, you'll receive access to both ad-free and monthly bonus episodes. For more info on Southern Gothic, be sure to visit southerngothicmedia.com today. And as always, thanks for listening.
1: Lucky Lady Shacks.